When looking at Tesla as an investment, many of us are focused on the guidance of 50% growth every year, the 30% plus growth margins, and of course, the amazing cars. Tesla today has the best-selling electric vehicle cars in the world, the safest cars as deemed by NHTSA, and world-renowned gigafactories at Shanghai, Berlin, California, Texas, and more to come. But, you know, one of the biggest concerns investors seem to have is the notion that at some point, you know, the competition is going to be coming. So today, let's review all of the competitive moats that Tesla has that will make it really hard for other companies to compete. Randy Kirk is here with us today. He is a best-selling author. He's written 10, now what is it, 10 books. He's a serial entrepreneur with 20 businesses under his belt. Welcome, Randy. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. So with regards to Tesla, three years ago, he wrote a book called The Elon Musk Method. This is a collection of Elon's best business principles that startup entrepreneurs is going to probably find very valuable. But today, we're going to be talking to him about the newest book he just published a couple months ago called The Elon Musk Mission. So Randy, you got to do your best. You got to help me get brighter today. <laughs> That'll be the goal. We'll, 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 we'll hopefully bring new, new information and new knowledge, but... I think we've got some new stuff to share. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to just say that I love reading your book. And even somebody like me, who's well informed about Tesla, did find that there's a lot there that I still found valuable. And it was so easy to, to, uh, to read as well. So great job with that. Thank you. So you co-authored this book with Lars Strandrider of The Best in Tesla mm -hmm. YouTube channel, Dr. John Gibbs, our fellow friend of Dr. Know-It-All channel. Brian Wang of the Next Big Future Science blog. Uh, and this is the second of three books. It's a, of a trilogy of books about Elon Musk. And you've already mentioned the two that you've written. But this book, Elon Musk Mission, uh, who's it? who did you write it for? And maybe just back up a bit. And what made you even start to write this trilogy that you're, you're doing now? Okay. So for 35 years or something, I've been writing business books, business articles for magazines, including Inc. Magazine. Um, my books, my business books have almost universally been very, very successful. One of them was published by, by Warner Business Books. And so I've, I've had a good run and as a sideline, because I'm basically an entrepreneur, so this has been a sideline and I, I've done well with it. Um, but I, it seemed to me I could take the Elon Musk as the number one entrepreneur of all time and right. say, okay, what is he doing? And I started trying to see what he was doing. And all of a sudden, here were 16 things that he was doing that were all top of class. And I was like, holy mackerel, that's crazy. So it fit into the group of people that I'd been writing to and for, you know, for 30-some yeah. years. So I wrote that book. It's done very well, translated into five languages, uh, sold about 20,000 copies and still selling yeah. every single day. So I'm very, very happy with that result. I thought I was done with Elon Musk, except maybe an update to the Elon Musk method. Well, then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm getting into the same place where so many of the YouTubers got started, which is misinformation, disinformation, uh, people that don't know what they're talking about, uh, in particular, journalists who are not even doing the basic job. They're not even Googling the things they need to Google in order to make sure they got their facts right. So that's kind of where it started. And then somewhere along the line, it just started morphing. And I realized it was going to be great for a, a newbie, somebody who would, has just bought their Tesla, 
So it's written with that person in mind. It's very, as you mentioned, it's supposed to, it's written in a way that's designed for everybody to get it. No, you don't need a science degree in order to get 97% of the book. Um, and then uh, investors. So, and, and, and Elon Musk geeks, people <laughs> like you and me, you know, I have, a, I have a couple of day jobs. I have several of my businesses that continue to this day. And so I have, I have day jobs, but I still spend two to three hours a day uh, researching the Elon Musk world. And there's tons of people like me that do that. So yeah. what could I bring to the table? What could I do differently yeah. that nobody was talking about? So the book really focuses on yeah. the elements that because I was a plastics manufacturer, because I am a marketer, a lot of the investors, a lot of the geeks, a lot of the newbies, a lot, all the people I'm talking about, a lot of them don't have those two background pieces of yeah. having actually manufactured products, shipped them all over the world, bought products from all over the world, dealt with supply chains, dealt with equipment, yeah. and also uh, and also had to market them, had to, you know, yeah. know something about how to market things. And so that's that's how the book got done. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, there's so many good parts of the book that I love, but as for for us who are investors in Tesla, the one that as like many, many chapters you devote on is the competitive moats. So let's get into that. Um, you know, the, the, this is the, you know, competitive moats. The first uh, quote you put there is paddocks, patents are for the weak, Elon Musk said. We all know that famous uh, statement and th their philosophy. And it's kind of shocking that a, a new a technology company like Tesla would actually give away all their patents. That is not something that they're concerned about because their ultimate um, goal is to accelerate sustainable energy. But yet, having said that, they have so many competitive moats. So first, why don't you tell me a little bit of what you consider to be a moat and why it's important? Sure. So a moat is just like we think about, you know, the castle. It's surrounded by water. It's surrounded by water that might be a certain width so that it's hard for the horses to get across it. It might have crocodiles. <laughs> it might have piranha, you know, so it's designed to keep the enemy away. So if we, if we consider mm. the competitors to be the enemy, then we build these moats or we don't even build the moats. We might just end up with moats that mm. help us to be way ahead of the competition or keep the competition from getting close to our capabilities. Now, if we're able to do that and, the biggest one is always patents. If you got a patent uh, or a, a really great name, a, a trademark, a copyright, you know, those are moats that, that can really help. When you have a moat, it gives you more pricing flexibility um, because uh, the competitor is either violating your patent, I, I guess, you know, for instance, they could be violating your, your intellectual property in order to come uh, against you or they're just saying, I'm not going to come against you, except with something that's completely different that won't violate the patent. And so now you can raise your price higher. And, and truly, the patent theory is that you have a monopoly for 17 years. And a monopoly, of course, allows you to price higher. So when you have a, a, any kind of moat, it allows you to be much more flexible in the way that you design, develop products. It helps you to be able to price higher, make more profit, never grow faster. So that's a basic yeah. moat. So you've, in this book, you outlined 21 
21 <laughs> moats that Tesla has. And then you said that you told me later that you've got a few more that you <laughs> haven't yet added. Um, so why don't we go cover some of them? Sure. And uh, we may not be able to cover all of them in the next hour here, but let's cover the ones that are most important. Should we just start with the first one or should we jump around? It's you up to can you. Just, how you, you know, take, take them any way you wish. And, and Herbert, right. one other thought is, most companies, and I've, I've been consulting for the last 15 years, I've consulted with about 400 companies, and most companies have no moat. And most companies yeah. will be thrilled to have one moat. <laughs> That's a good way to put it in perspective. Well, let's start with the first one. And so why did you choose the blank slate as your first moat? So this is one that I think actually a lot of the folks that follow Tesla would be aware of. Okay. Sure. Because there was a lot of talk about this a couple of years ago, and then it kind of just faded, and we, I don't really hear people talking about it anymore. Maybe because there's now maybe a dozen companies that are fairly close to having a blank slate also. Um, so the moat might not be quite as high and quite as wide. Uh, but the blank slate idea is they, were never, they weren't in the car business before they started making electric cars. So they started with a completely blank tablet. They were able to use complete 100% first principles thinking if they chose to. Mm. So you don't have to. You can, you can start with a brand new electric car company and still say, oh, I'm going to copy Tesla, which is happening. Right. Lots of companies are doing that. Or you could start with a complete blank slate and you could decide to copy internal combustion engine cars, but put a battery in them. So there's a lot of ways that you could go, but in Tesla's case, of course, they use first principles. And so that means that everything about the car from the ground up from day one is designed to optimize the principles associated with electric cars. Yeah. Can, I'm going to interrupt you because <laughs> it's interesting you picked this one as a competitive moat because some people will think that it's actually it's actually, right, it's actually a, a hindrance to them. And so many people I talk to, they'll go, oh my gosh, the OEMs are going to wipe them out. Do you know that Toyota makes 11 million cars a year? They can do, make an EV company, a car like that, and they have all these factories already. And then you're telling me that, oh no, the fact that they started with a you know blank slate was actually a competitor. Is it just because of Tesla that they were able to do this, but not other normal companies? Well, so when you start with a blank slate in the automotive industry, you start with something that only has a slightly more than zero potential for success, <laughs> according <laughs> right. to Elon, because yeah. only one uh, US car company has succeeded in the last 110 years, and right. that's Tesla. So yes, it does provide, present its own quandaries, its own problems, its own level. In see, particular, yeah. see, this is what's referred to. The, the automotive industry has a high barrier to entry. Yes. If you want to become a, if you want to, I've been in the bicycle industry my whole life. If you want to become a bike shop dealer, there's not yeah. a very high level to entry. Maybe 50,000, 100,000, you can be in business and you can start, you know, not a large barrier to entry. But in right. the automotive industry, you've got a yeah. huge barrier to entry. So if you combine the high barrier to entry with the fact that you're building something brand new from the ground up that's never been done before, yeah. that's, that's a pretty risky thing to do unless you're, you know, have a big ego. <laughs> but then if you do get it done and you are successful and you survive, then at that point it's designed for this new market. And that's why it and, becomes a competitive mode. And it has to be right. Intro. 
And it has to be right. It has, it has to be. It has to be the thing that my wife says she feels sorry for everybody else out there that doesn't own a Tesla. Yeah, no, for sure. This one, I think we, many of us understand is the biggest competitive advantage. I guess I might be repeating this over and over again, but the fact that the manufacturing plant, the factory is the product. He's repeated that many, many times. And I think that people don't, they, they, they're not, they're not internalizing what that means. Uh, you know, for my, in my perspective, if it's a product, it means that they're going to make not only one, they're going to make two, they're going to make four, they're going to make six, uh, eight, 16, you know, and so forth. And, um, and they're going to improve on it and reiterate, make it the perfect product in the first place. So what's your interpretation of what this means and why is this a huge competitive advantage? Well, you know, you've pretty much uh, explained the, the, the broader concept of exactly what that means. So they're building a plant from the very beginning that they start to build it. It's with the idea that they're going to cookie cutter it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if, if just like if you were going to build another car, if you're going to build, uh, you know, another uh, another mega mega, uh, mega energy pack, mega pack. So so in the very same way, they are building the first plant with the idea that they're going to make another one just like it, like you say, but with iterations. But that's how they do everything. Everything they do, even the car is being iterated every single day. So yeah. the plant is being iterated every single day. And then when the next one is built, it takes what they've learned from the last one and they take that information and they start to iterate. Even as they're building it, they're making decisions to change it as they, as they grow it. But now, if they chose to, probably they could put, put up 10 buildings next year, 10, 10 gigafactories next year. I don't think they'll do that because I think that there's logistical issues with trying to do too much at once. Uh, but technically, they're now prepared. They would now be prepared to do that. So the factory has become the product. Nobody else, nobody else thinks that way or has thought that way in the past. Maybe they will now, but that has not been the the thinking. Um, you're usually thinking, I got to capture a market. I got to capture the United States market. Let's say first, and then someday I'll build a plant. I, maybe I'll need a second plant because I, I maybe I should build that closer to my customer or something. Or maybe I'm going to I, I uh, at one point was almost ready to build a plant right next to Walmart because they become such an important mm -hmm. customer. So, you know, you can do those kind of things, but you're not usually thinking, oh, I'm going to build this building. And five years from now, I'm going to build another one in, in China, just like it. And another one in Europe, just like it. So it's a, it's a very different thing. So now that also provides you with tremendous uh, scale when you're building those plants. So it's going to cost you far less to build it because you're not, you're not designing it from the ground up. You're not making mistakes all the way along. I mean, you see how long it takes these other companies to put up a factory. Mm -hmm. so they, they say, well, yeah, we're going to put up a factory just like Tesla. It's going to take us three years. And Tesla's saying, yeah. well... Unless the bureaucrats get in our way, we'll do it in 12 months. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this one is uh, another big one. <laughs> Everybody kind of understands, right? These electric vehicles, it's the battery that matters. It's the contracts, long-term contracts that matter. So you titled it as he who makes the best battery wins. <laughs> <laughs> so years yeah. ago, and I haven't been able to find the quote, but years ago, Somebody said, and I want to say this is five, six, seven years ago, maybe 20 years ago, because when you get old, it time yeah. packs like this. <laughs> sure. sure. Said this quote 
they said these very words. And I thought, wow, batteries are really important. Even then, you know, I don't care whether sure. it was in your, in your phone, it was in all over your house. Um, so it was like, wow, the, if you made a really great battery, that would be, you could, you could own, you could own the world if you made a great battery is kind of what he was saying. So yeah. um, when Elon started doing it and then uh, Warren Redlick, he was one of the first ones, he said, gee whiz, we could almost value the company based on the batteries. Yeah. It's just a matter of how, what are they putting the battery in? And let's see if we can yeah. use a back of the napkin math situation and kind of value Tesla purely based on the number of batteries they make. I love the idea. He and I just had a long discussion about it on a YouTube video. And, and so at the foundation of what they're doing, they've got to be ahead of the pack on batteries. That's just an absolute necessity. But because Elon plays 40 chess, mm -hmm. and he's thinking so much further out than anybody else, he has been thinking about the factory to build the battery. He's been thinking about the raw materials necessary to make the batteries. And the rest of the world has been thinking in 1D chess or maybe 2D, you know, they're, they're, they're two moves out and they're saying, well, yeah, we're going to need more batteries. And it looks like we're going to run out of materials in, in 2027. And Elon's saying, well, no, I've got 2027 cured. I'm working on 2028 now. <laughs> so, so whether it's the raw materials, whether it's the science, whether it's the engineering, whether it's the development, whether it's the production, whether it's finding the raw materials, whether it's the willingness to get into those businesses, because I don't know if he ever really wanted to make batteries himself, but he's now making batteries. I know he said he didn't want to refine raw materials, but now he's going to refine raw materials. He specifically said he didn't want to get into mining, but it looks like, you know, there are a couple of nibbles on places where he might be getting into mining now. So, so whatever it takes, whatever's necessary to make sure that the leadership in batteries is there, that's what's taking place. And as long as he's ahead on what it costs him to make the battery, as long as he's ahead on the, on, the, on the capabilities of the batteries, as long as he's way ahead in the ability to accumulate him by making them himself or buying from others, and he has 30% or 40% of the capacity of all the batteries in the world, um, yeah, it's a big moat, huge moat. Yep. Each mode, you know, when the way when people say, "Oh, these OEMs, they have they make so many cars," but we're not talking about cars. We're talking about electric vehicle cars, which need batteries. <clears throat> and just like Apple, when you're the big dog and you have the largest market share, then all these suppliers will want to partner with you first. They'll do long-term contracts with you first. You'll have the ability to have pricing power because you're ordering, you know, a million of these batteries versus just you know tens, twenty, two hundred, or a thousand. And so these OEMs, they're not, they don't have enough numbers of electric vehicles yet, but Tesla's already got millions that they're producing per year. And so they've locked in, yes. right? These supply chains. And yet, because they already locked them in, <laughs> they're realizing that they're going to run out of it. And so they need to create their own. So I can't see how these competitors are going to compete at some point because yes, they might be able to produce the car through the factory, but where are they going to get the batteries from? It's it's a big it's a it's a huge issue, and it isn't just getting the batteries because uh, right. it's been a little talk just today on Twitter. I noticed, and and I've been thinking this for about a week myself, is that it's starting to look like maybe there will be enough different chemistries for different use cases that maybe we can get past this this you know limited business the limitations in terms of being able to make enough batteries. 
maybe I'm not 100 percent sure, but sulfur is now in and and uh, and carbon, uh, you know, some new carbonite types of approaches. So with all the different approaches that are being thrown into the into the uh, into the pool of ideas, maybe that maybe there's enough batteries, but are there enough good batteries are enough batteries are going to work in cars? There might be plenty of batteries for storage. But are there going to be enough cars, batteries for cars? And will they be the ones that give the kind of performance that people are going to be looking for? All right. Let's go a little bit faster here. But sure. um, did you repeat this one? Moats abound all over the factory. We've already talked about factories. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm kidding a bit, but go ahead. Tell me what this is about. Yeah. So this is one that we really d- took a pretty deep dive in the book because uh, we got yeah. involved with Joe Justice. Uh, yes. Lars ended up having him on his channel and and with a very long interview. And Joe Justice, of course, is the the guy for Agile. Mm-hmm. And when so I was a manufacturer, I was a plastics manufacturer, and you build a mold. You spend twenty thousand dollars on this mold, and maybe that's for me, little guy. Okay, I spent twenty thousand dollars on a mold, and now you say, oh, I got an idea of how I can make the product better. Mm-hmm. Well. Are you going to take the mold down and stop production for three or four weeks while they change the mold? Are you going to build another $20,000 mold when you haven't amortized all your expense out of that mold? Are you going to even be able to change that mold if you want to change that? I mean, there's, I've, been, yeah. I've done this. I've been in this conversation you know, with my team over the years many, many times. What are we going to do? We got this idea, but how are we going to, how are we going to execute? But with agile marketing, quality is free. The concept of quality is free follows on the concept from the 50s, which for the very, I'm sorry, quality is free was from the 50s. This is uh, that the uh, change is free. I'm sorry, I messed that up, guys. I'm very sorry. Quality is free was from the 50s. That's where Toyota came in and started making really, really good cars. But now we're talking about change is free. And the idea that change is free is, okay, if you have to take down that, that, uh, that mold or whatever it is, and you have to stop the line, but it's going to make a huge difference in terms of the quality and the the, the look mm-hmm. or the the productivity gotcha. or whatever else. You just you just do it because it'll pay for itself quickly and not and with mm-hmm. no problem. But people don't think that way typically in factory settings. So you have that idea all through the factory. Is we have a new idea today? Okay, let's implement it. <laughs> That's just it's yeah, yeah. unheard of. Unheard of. That's unheard of, yeah. This is the same thing that uh, I interviewed Joe Justice as well, and it was a big notion of the speed of innovation and that you, they can make a decision on a change right on the factory line and they'll do it right off the bat. And it just like, and like within that, they make changes every day almost, hey, isn't yes, it? Every day. In the factory line versus yeah. other OEMs, they would need to get a committee, a budget approval. They would need to go through this process of deciding if it's worth it or not. And it could take months before they make any change, if not quarter quarterly, right? I mean, half a year sometimes. Sure. And so they kind of like, once they've made something, they they go with that for a long time. Yes. And then you have the flat management system where, and you have, and you don't necessarily have a specific job. You come, you come in and you find out what is needed. What, yeah. what's, what's needed today that I do. And then you go tackle it. And you might only That's... be working on that for five hours and then you that's st- another competitive advantage, I think, right? The, no, I'm just I, I look at that as maybe maybe that's tied in, but I'm just saying everywhere yeah. around the factory, there's these yeah. completely different ways of doing things in the factory uh, that 
that basically create a moat. It creates a moat both of mechanical, you know, the way that you're creating the factory, laying it out in yeah. cells instead of directly along a line, um, all these kinds of issues, but also in terms of the culture. So it's it's yeah. very hard for these other companies to change their culture in order to yeah, be able to start with the line. Yeah. It is kind of funny because people are saying that, oh, the competition's coming. But let's say they are. Let's say they're really, really good and they do come. And let's say it takes them two, three years to get there. But at one point, where would Tesla be at that point two to three years from now? Like they'll never catch up in terms of everything, quality, new products. You know, like you can name them, right? Giga casting, the, the, the special octo valve, all these things that they've created that make the car better. Other companies can copy them, right. but they haven't even started yet. Right. So it's... No. If they do start, great. But five years from now, where are they going to be? Yeah. Okay, we got to keep going here. So there's sure. so many, so many good ones. <laughs> Vertical integration at scale. What's this? Yeah. So um, I uh, have a little, a teeny tiny bit of fame. About 25 years ago, I wrote an hmm. article for Inc. Magazine called From hmm. Virtual to Vertical. Um, it was <laughs> extremely well received. And the, I, and the reason I wrote the article is because I had just done this. I had started a, a plastics manufacturing business where we had no building, no employees, no equipment. Uh, we were operating, my partner and I each had separate businesses and the businesses were even doing our accounting for us, our marketing for us. So there was really, it was really a virtual company. Everything yeah. was being done by somebody else. And within two years, we were vertical. We had the equipment, we were, we were making every part that went into the product. Uh, we were, uh, had our, of course our own accounting department, our own art department, everything was, Ver, ver, uh, vertical. So I have a real understanding having done it and then written about it. Um, verticality is, is not what the automotive industry is in, it, 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 it has done over the years. They used to be vertical, but over the years they got to the place where, as Elon calls it, they, they buy the products out of a catalog. So, okay, this is where I get my tires. This is where I get my brakes. This is where I get my exhaust. This is where I get, you know, so I pull all these things together and then I put them all together and out the other end comes, comes a product. Well, I did that for a while. And what I was finding is, is this guy makes crud product. Um, and he, he, he won't take responsibility for the fact that he's not doing it well. And this person over here is giving me a great product, but now this product won't fit together with it because he's not mm. doing his job. And then yeah. somebody else can't get the artwork right. And I mean, it's just, I, I was just going nuts. And slowly but surely, I would take over these responsibilities because I wanted the quality. Mm -hmm. Quality was totally what we thought about all the time. So I wanted the quality. So I say, well, I, I can't, you can't do it. I can't find anybody who can. So I guess I have to do it myself. And that's basically what Elon has done. He did not start out to be vertical. He mm -hmm. has looked at it and said, the Russians won't sell me a missile. I'll build one. <laughs> and that has gone throughout the rest of his companies now to where he's yeah. vertical everywhere because it's just better. Um, you save money and you got to be careful because you don't always save as much as you think you're going to because when you eliminate middle people, when you uh, eliminate OEMs, they might have capabilities of scale that you don't have. They might have the ability to work cheaper than you want to work. They might be working in a place that has lower overheads. So there's a lot of things, you know, I might be able to buy it from China cheaper than I can make it myself in my own backyard. So there's a lot of things that go into the equation, but for the most part, I've found 
<laughs> vertical just beats all heck. Yeah. Unless it's, it doesn't. <laughs> it looks like the combination of the factory is the product. Yep. And so what they really are is a company and making the company better and making the factory, which is which can make products better. Then at that point, you can make any product you right. want and combine that with speed of innovation, you can adapt and change. And so vertical integration, one example, there's probably a million of them, right, is insurance, where then Tesla decides, I'm going to be the insurance car, automobile insurance company as well. And what, how that really makes a difference is because there's a tightly coupled, you know, and it's not two separate companies anymore. If a car gets into an accident, they know because they're tracking would that happen or not, then they can make changes within the car of where the accident occurred, right? What, what, you know, the famous example of the, the planes that went and then they got shot by machine guns and yes. then the ones that return. Right, right. And then they go, by looking at it, they go, it's actually the where the bullets went, they saw that are good because right. it didn't make the plane fall, but right. it's the ones where the, it's where they did the bullets did not hit because if they hit it, the plane would have fallen. Tesla can see that and right. then they can cha make changes to the manufacturing of the car based on the insurance data. Exactly. And they can bundle the insurance uh, subscription pricing right in and then they can do things like, I'm going to offer safer drivers less. No one else can do that if you're two separate companies. It's exactly. much harder. Exactly. Um, that's just one example. Yeah. Oh, um, no, it's, it goes on and on. I mean, everything that they do yeah. that's vertical, I mean, they wouldn't, because they use first principles thinking, they don't go vertical unless it makes sense under first principles. So they they have not bought, I, I, I wrote a tweet a year and a half ago, two years ago, that I thought that they should buy Firestone. Um, the tires, mm -hmm. the whole company. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because they already had the service centers and they had the mm -hmm. tires. So I why see. not buy yeah. Firestone? Well, they haven't decided that they're going to make tires. They haven't decided that they're, but they have decided they're going to do their own service centers. So, um, you know, you've got, you've got situations where they, nope, the tires, we're not going to get into that business. So, you, so you make those choices, uh, but you, yeah. they clearly have tremendous verticality now and the other companies are witnessing and they're saying, we have to get vertical like Tesla. Okay. Well, I'm actually going down the list here because as I check out the next one, it does sound like they're all really big ones. <laughs> so software technology is important. Um, Tesla is a software company, not a car company first, versus the other companies are car companies, not a software company. And that's why we're hearing about Volkswagen and um, Herbert D's being fired because he was trying to create this big software divisions um, that didn't go very well. It's taken too much money. The new CEO of Volkswagen decided they're not going to follow that path anymore, which is really building your own software instead of hiring soft other vendors to produce it for it. Why is it important that Tesla has all this software technology in both their car and factory? Well, of course, we are in a software world, right? Okay. I mean, there's, you know, this car is a computer on wheels, essentially. But if you're talking, so the hardest thing I ever did, now I went to UCLA Law School, okay? And I want to tell you something. The first yeah. year at UCLA Law was the hardest thing I'd ever done until I had to put in a very sophisticated system, software system in my manufacturing plant. Mm. I'm even forgetting the name of it now. It's three letters. <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't want to remember. You've got, you got PTSD scars. Oh, man. It was just horrible because we were measuring you know, how much plastic pellets that we were getting in the back door and how many we were scrapping. And, oh, it was just mm -hmm. unbelievably hard. But if you do it right, mm -hmm. you've got a competitive advantage. And if your competitor does it right and you don't, you have a competitive disadvantage. So the software 
in the car is critical, obviously, because it's a, it's, it's a computer on wheels. If they were third partying out all that software, that third party can go broke, that third party can fall behind, that third party can, um, can decide to uh, give my, my, uh, uh, the same product to somebody else for cheaper. I mean, there's a million reasons why that's not good when it comes to, when it comes to software. So they've created their own software uh, uh, setup so that they're creating the software specifically for their own cars. And part of that, again, was because nobody else was close to doing what they needed to be done. Then along comes full self-driving. Well, now we need a whole nother layer of capability yeah. when it comes to software. Then you come to the factory. Well, we need software. We can, we can buy, you know, all, there's plenty of great manufacturing software out there. There's plenty of great um, institutional, you know, kind of uh, accounting software and whatnot that integrates with manufacturing hardware, uh, software. All this stuff is out there. But since I've got all this talent, why don't we do it ourselves? We don't have to pay these guys on a monthly basis for all this stuff. Moreover, because we're so talented, we can use it to improve, to make our software better than the next guy's software, which just gives us one more competitive advantage. So I'm not paying for it and it's better. Yeah. So that's a huge moat. Now, at this point, the software that they have in the building just is one example, and maybe people that have heard about heard Joe Justice talk about this. The cars have a mirror image of themselves. They have a, a virtual a virtual version of themselves when they come off the line. So yeah. that virtual version stays in the cloud forever. And if they need a part, the computer goes right to that virtual version and knows what that part is. My dad used to do the dry docks on submarines and they had to go through all these books to find the part that was going to go on this particular submarine. Right. Books and books and yeah. books. That's what they spent most of their time was going through these books. Well, now it's boom, this car, this part. So the, the, in addition to the fact they have the virtual version of the cars that comes off the line, every mm -hmm. single car is QC'd electronically by software <laughs> as it comes off the line. Because why? Because they've been changing the car and the car yeah. that just came off the line isn't the same as the next one that's going to come or the last one right. that went before. So I've, I need to be able to QC this car 100%. Well, it QCs the car electronically, Electronic, not by some yeah. robot or anybody else. I mean, I'm sure there's issues, you know, checking the paint and whatnot, but all of the things that are electronic are QC'd individually as a car comes off the line. Nobody else does this. Crazy. Nobody else yeah. keeps, a, keeps a virtual image. <laughs> so are you saying that these cars are not just an iPad <laughs> attached to a car? Do you know how many people told me that? Just an iPad. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's way more than that. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, if uh, so the, the software is, uh, if we're watching RoboTaxi come to life, They've got a supercomputer, Dojo. They've got all these neural networks. They're going to use the same software and technology intelligence to the to apply to the the bot. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, once once the competition comes, let's say they do, mm -hmm. uh, Toyota and Volkswagen and others for they come and they compete with the electric vehicle. By that point, the competition isn't going to be the electric vehicle anymore. It's going to be robo taxi, autonomous cars, or even if you debate me and say RoboTaxi won't come for decades, right. but ADAS is, which is you know uh, the assistive driving 
software, the ability to have autonomous, uh, uh, automated collision avoidance so that the car cannot hit anything. Companies like Ford, they can't implement that feature right. because they don't have a software division to be able to code that. And they haven't even started doing that yet. Barely, they barely even have the ability to do the um, over-the-air updates. So they don't even have software, like you said. Matters, they yeah. def definitely don't. No, nobody is really doing over-the-air updates yet. Well, I've, I think it's starting to come. Yeah, but the difference is... says next month they'll they'll have their first one. Maybe we'll see. So, software versus hard uh, <laughs> hard firmware. Okay, I'm going to skip this one. Okay, the amazing Tesla fan oh, come base. On. That's one of my. <laughs> okay, you got you got one second. One Go. Second. Okay, well we know that the fan base is out there, but how important is it? Oh my gosh, so, there's never. I can't. If I'm waiting, somebody put it put it in the comments, please. Any right. other company that has ever existed that has more rabid fans that are telling their neighbors as soon as they get the car, <laughs> taking them around and selling them. I mean, it's just crazy. The fan base is- I'm just saying that there's so many, and this is a big one, but okay, let's go to the next one, right. data and experience. This one looks like a big deal. Of course, it's a big deal. But how is this different from software? But you're talking data and experience, go. Yeah, so you, you've been talking about the whole business of, well, if they catch up to the 2022 version in 2026, mm -hmm. great, but the 2026 version is going to be four years ahead or, or more than the 2022 version. So Tesla will keep their lead as long as they don't you know, slack off. But why will they keep the lead? Experience. Mm -hmm. So if I'm Ford and I'm, I haven't even had, or if I'm Volkswagen and I'm going to have my very first over-the-air update next month. And Tesla has done hundreds and hundreds of over the air updates. And it just it just works like this. Now, they know how to send out a, 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 a letter with the over the air update that tells us exactly what happens on this over the air update. Uh, they know to watch out for bugs. I mean, all the kinds of things that 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 Volkswagen still has to learn now about these over the air updates goes throughout everything that Tesla's yeah. ahead on. So that's the experience side. The data side is that they've been sucking up the data from these cameras and, yeah. you know, and from the internal workings of the cars, not just the cameras. Most people think, oh, they're got all this data on, well, it's kind of like yeah. your bullet in the plane thing. They've been sucking up the data on how the accidents happen. They've been sucking up the safety data, the yeah. way that people drive, the way that people don't drive. Um, who would have known that of the six things or five things that they're that they're looking at for safety? Hmm. Nobody nobody was was thinking that those are the five or six things that they would be looking for that would determine who's going to get in accidents. They would have thought it was how old you are, how young you are, you know, whether you're whether you're uh, drinking or whether you like to drive fast. Speed going over speeding isn't even one of the things that it's not yeah. looking for. So the yeah. data that they're getting now. The good news for everybody, and the bad news for me is I'm going to run out of battery. <laughs> Speaking of batteries, let me plug oh, in, no. please. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the good news for all these other guys is that they're going to get to go to school on uh, Tesla. So years ago, I had a competitor. He says, "Randy, I know you love being a pioneer. You like to come out with all these new things." And he says, "What I do?" He says, "I sit back, study you. I, see, I, I, I pick anything that you're successful with. I make a copy. Yeah. If the things you're not successful, never yeah. mind. You know." So people yeah. get to go to school on Tesla, but yeah. 
unless Tesla drops the ball, I don't think they will. Um, they're going to stay way ahead because they've got yeah. massive data uh, advantages over everybody else out there. There are just so many examples, but the one that I heard was what you were just saying, right? Is that the way that they set up uh, safety in um, in the driving is the police are able to see if somebody is driving fast. They can see if you did not stop at the stop sign. Those are things that they can see, and therefore they're going to give you a ticket. But actually, those do not correlate with whether or not there's actually more accidents, like what you were saying. But what Tesla is able to do is, and this is just an example, I think, where if they can see if the car, if 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 there's pedestrians walking on a crosswalk, and you're the kind of driver that goes really fast and comes really close to them, that is more correlated with accidents happening right. than, let's say, somebody who who does not stop at a stop sign. Because if you don't stop, you don't ninety percent of the time you don't stop at a stop sign because there's nobody around you. Uh, then it's actually not that it's not a correlated thing, but those are the little things that they've already picked up on. They know, and then they designed a car that way. But that's just one example. There's yeah. millions yes. of these examples. Yes. yes. Okay. I'm gonna jump to this one, which is the charging station network, <clears throat> and and you know they've opened it up, and so a lot of people are complaining. The Tesla investors saying, "Why did you do that? That is a moat." Tell me what's your thinking about this whole okay, thing. Okay, so it was a moat, and it is a moat. So I, I think the the bigger the biggest moat would be okay. Uh, you can't use it, so therefore your cruddy ones, your crummy stations that you have to go to, are are always going to be a negative in terms of the selling the selling uh, uh, features that other co car companies can talk about. Well, but now okay, let's say we open it up and everybody decides to use Tesla. Well, number one, that means Tesla is going to generate massive amounts of income again from the other car company's failure to have set up the same system. Again, I, I like to compare it to, let's say the General Motors own mobile oil <laughs> and all the mobile stations. Yeah. <laughs> you know, wow. what if that had happened, you know, 30 years ago is one of the car companies just bought up all the, 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 the largest gas station. So mm -hmm. in this case, it's not just the largest station, it's also one that uses a particular approach to filling the car. So he's already ahead or Tesla's already ahead in terms of the ease of use, in terms of setting up a system on your computer that tells you exactly how many people are at the next one. Maybe you should skip this one and go down the road to the next exit because this one's got a line and the next one doesn't have a line. That it has this many that are not working or are working. I mean, yeah. nobody has this stuff. It's not even close. But, and I know a couple of, I've heard other YouTubers talk about this. So we're not, we're not breaking news here. But I have to have the app in order to use yeah. a Tesla. Uh, Tesla station. In order to use a supercharger. <laughs> I have to have a Tesla app. <laughs> yeah, app. Yeah. And on the app, it'll probably say not Tesla, <laughs> something yeah. like that. And then when yeah. you get there, you're using something that has the Tesla branding everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then you're sitting there with 27 jillion Tesla automobiles around you. Yeah. Uh, you're talking to people that love their Tesla. I mean, it's just, it's the, the, the mode, the mode is ridiculous. And yeah. I think, Eventually, will be one of the. It could be split off as a separate company, but one of the largest companies in the world. Yeah, it's going to be as big as Shell. It's going to be as Chevron, right? Right, right. <laughs> yes, it's crazy, crazy that they. That's another one of the vertical integration thing. Right, it they is. decided to it's be like a supercharger a, yes. network yes. instead of just having another another third party, which is what all the OEMs are. They're outsourcing it to a third party. But think, but think again of the brain of Elon to think ahead and say, I have to be able to build a network of charging right. stations 
Yeah. Because if I don't, nobody's going to buy my cars. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's hilarious because now, what, how many years ago, uh, no one is as worried about uh, range anxiety as much as they used to be right. because there's enough superchargers around the world right. where people are not as uh, worried about it anymore. Like, certainly in the U.S., uh, I, no one I know is worried about no. going to California. I can drive to California, right. not an issue anymore. Right. Um, wonderful. Yeah, supercharger network is probably a big giant moat. There's a lot of reasons why. Those are just examples. Okay, let's go to the next big one. I guess I guess I can't skip this one, which is Elon Musk <laughs> is a competitive advantage. He's a competitive moat. Oh. I think we all know why. Should I just skip it? <laughs> Can you say something that we don't, we, none of us actually know about that's really interesting about Elon? Yeah, read, I mean, we yeah, all know him. Yeah, read the Elon Musk method in order to really oh, fully understand what a good big point. moat he is. You wrote a whole friggin' book about you it. wrote a whole book on <laughs> how big of a moat he is because yeah. most people don't get, um, for instance, I do talk about this, the ability to have a clear vision or mission yeah. that is important enough to share with others and exciting enough that they want to follow you and then to be able to communicate it in a way that they'll follow you is huge. This is, you, you can be a great manufacturer, you can be a great designer, you can be a great engineer, you can, you can pull around all the great engineers. You can do all those things. It, those things all came second. The first thing Elon had to do was say, I'm going to build an electric car. I'm going to build one like this. That's going to be this expensive. I'm going to make money off of that to build this. Then I'm going to, make, I'm going to take that money. I'm going to build this. And eventually, I'm going to take over the world with electric cars because everybody will see that it's possible to make a quality uh, yeah. a, 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 a car that everybody will want at a price that's reasonable. Uh, and then every car company in the world will have to follow. He has this vision, 16, 18, whatever it is years ago. Now he goes to a new employee. He goes to a supplier. You were talking about suppliers a minute ago. General Motors walks into a supplier today and says, I need 5 million batteries. And mm. they go, well, you, you don't have a, I can't see your plan to ramp to 5 million cars. Mm. Yeah. Well, Elon goes to them five years ago when he was promising to build 500,000 cars in 2020. And he says, I need enough batteries to build 5 million cars in 2025. And they're like, what are you talking about? And then he tells them his vision and he's able to sell them on the vision and line, get them lined up behind him on the vision to where they say, well, yeah, all I got is a purchase order and you could always cancel you know, no, I'm not. You can't possibly give me a, a, a huge amount of money to guarantee that I'm going to. It's about being able to communicate a yeah. vision that's so exciting that people line up and go, I want to be I want to do that. Huge. Yeah, huge. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, another uh, open for debate is whether or not Elon Musk is a very good communicator or not. So he's got Asperger's and he stumped he he right he uh stutters a lot yes which i seem to be doing a lot today's interview um but he is an amazing communicator he's probably the best of the things you just said right the entire world knows about his uh his mission I about can... how they're gonna get he keeps repeating it in every uh interview that he does and people go why do you keep saying the same things over and over again but that's a good communicator yes. just keep repeating it 
I compare him to Reagan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Reagan was considered to be the great communicator and he's right. not smooth like Reagan and he doesn't have the funny jokes, you know, that are, you know, yeah. he doesn't, you know, he's, he doesn't have all that, but he's as good a communicator because he knows not only how to communicate, how to have a vision that like we talked about a minute ago, but he also <laughs> knows, he also knows the, knows the methodologies. So yeah. what other CEO is spending hours and hours and hours and hours doing long form interviews with yeah. amateur journalists um, in order to get the word out. Nobody does this, but it yeah. works huge. And we, we can't ignore the fact that he works really hard. So you got a genius right. by birth, right. but also that he works so hard right. that he was saying that he can save get a million dollars in half an hour. If he just spends half an hour looking at a certain problem in the factory, it's like a million, uh, you know, tens of millions of dollars sometimes he said. So it's like, who, what other CEO can do that? Yeah. Fixes the problems make sure that this factory is built and ongoing, and then he can let the uh, organization manage it for. Okay. I think we all know Elon Musk <laughs> is a moat. Um, and this one too, the mission. And I'm surprised you put it in because I know that the mission was an, ex- an important initiator at the very beginning of the life of the company. Many of us invested and support Tesla because of the mission, but he's no longer positioning the mission, right? It's right now it's the best car in the, in the world, not that it's an EV car that's going to save the planet. It's just simply the better car that you can buy anywhere, cheaper, faster, everything. No, that's why did that's, you put the mission in? No, that's the mission as seen by some in the public who are short-term thinkers. Mm-hmm. The mission hasn't changed. Elon Musk has never changed the mission. He repeats it all the time. He still repeats it. The mission yeah. is still to advance the, the uh, sustainable energy. Everything that the company does, except for the robot, you can make an argument that the robot does too. But let's mm-hmm. forgetting that argument, everything else that the company does is going towards maximizing the number of batteries that can be produced and, and deployed, maximizing the number of EV cars that can be produced and deployed. And he doesn't care about the competition. He doesn't care that he's got the best car, except that that is, that is part of the, it's part of the mission it's a, a part A of the mission. Let's call it part A of the mission. If we're going to do this, the car has to be something that people want. Okay. And I'm forgetting the darn quote. Ah, but anyway, he knows that a product in order to sell has to be something that people want at a price they can afford. So he wants it to be the safest car. He wants it to be the best car. He wants it to do all these things because he wants to advance the cause. He doesn't care about the competition. In fact, he knows he needs the competition. He cannot build 60 million cars in 2027. Yeah. That's why he's helping them. That's why he's giving away the patents. That's yeah. why he's giving the supercharger network. Right. Yes. Because the ultimate mission is sustainable energy, not that Tesla is going to be the one and only winner. And now you look at these other car companies, even the other car companies. But again, if, if you're an entrepreneur out there, hear me. If you can create a, a, a great uh, vision, the vision for my, I had a bicycle, the company that was doing plastic parts uh, yeah. was a bicycle industry b- company. And we, we, we said that we were enhancing the cycling experience. Nice. Well, if, you're en- if you're enhancing the bicycling experience, you can tell that to your employees. Everything that we do is designed to get more people on bikes and keep them on bikes. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty it's good mission. Produced. Right. Okay. That's a great mission. You want to have a great mission it. that your people can get behind you on. So- Nobody else. You look at the other car companies right now. Oh, no, we're going to beat Tesla. That's our mission. 
That's not yeah. efficient. <laughs> you know, I love that you wrote this book. Am I right? You just it was just published uh, October, and today's December, yeah, I, I so it's actually, like literally just two October. months ago. Was, yeah. I, and, Gosh, yeah. I'm very lucky. I got you at the right time because your book, as I was reading it, is very accurate. I mean, it's like. Jesus, that was just, that happened two weeks ago. <laughs> and I was like, it's there. I was going, that's pretty good. Uh, I mean, this one is very, very important. I think it's become so important, which is cash. The, you know, it's a profitable company. They're able to make huge gross margins on an electric vehicle. And I believe, I think I read it in your book as well, confirmed it, that there's no other car company, an electric vehicle that can produce an electric vehicle profitable even today, even the pure EV companies that just started. Now they're early startups, that's fine. Right. But the, pro the problem is for them, the competition, is that Tesla is spitting out cash, like in some absurd, insane numbers to the point that I think I read that within just four or five years from now, they're gonna have more cash than Apple. Oh yeah, uh, before that. Um, so, what? So, yeah. the, so, the, so yes, the, they already can't spend it. Yeah. Okay. This is a problem that Apple has and Microsoft and other companies have. It's not the, not the first company that can't spend all the money that they're producing. Um, but what you do want and what the mode is about is not how much extra cash mm -hmm. they're going to have someday. What mm -hmm. you do want is you don't want to have to go back to the market uh, if you can avoid it. You don't want to have to go to the banks in order to do your next great thing. Um, so when you have as much money as you could possibly use in order to be able to implement the things that you want to do, that's a huge moat. The competitor, the competitors, most of them owe billions to yeah. the banks. Most of them yeah. are facing a situation where they may have to go back to the, to the shareholders and try to raise money, especially if we go into recession. Some of them could be dramatically uh, impacted by a recession. So uh, the startups, of course, there were, there were Elon was five years ago, four years ago, where you know he was about to run out of cash, but he's past that place now, and that's no longer an issue. I, it's hard to imagine that it will ever be an issue again. So that's a it's a it's a massive massive move. Yeah, when people say why is Tesla market cap ten times uh, what these other OEMs are, but then when you look at the OEMs like a Toyota and GM and Ford, they have like eighty five percent debt. Uh, like you said, almost like $80 billion, $100 billion oh, yeah. worth of debt um, versus Tesla is zero debt. They zero can, debt, yes. They're pretty well at zero at this point. And they have just tremendous amount of cash. And then when you work it out each year, it's just crazy uh, the amount of cash they're going to put in. Right. And so they can create speed of innovation. They can create new companies. New, They can do more of this uh, brand new companies. And so that's another thing people don't seem to able to put in their head, which is, Oh yeah, Tesla makes four cars right now, and uh, they don't make other cars. And how are they going to get to twenty to thirty million cars in 2030, 20 million cars by twenty thirty? Well, what makes you think that they're not going to create <laughs> a whole set of cars? And they've already announced Robo Taxi, right? A compact car. They're going to have a van. They're going to have a cyber truck. They're going to have a, 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 a smaller version of the cyber truck. They're going to keep making new cars, but they're also going to keep making new businesses. I mean, who knew yeah. two years ago 
did anybody here know that by two years later, they're going to be talking about Tesla bot? Yeah. They're going to be talking about mining. Yeah. These are just two examples. There's probably a few more that nobody knew two years ago that they were going to do these new businesses. And so every two years, there are going to be new ones. Yeah, I, I would hate to take a tangent, but you, I could easily make the argument that they only need the Model 3 and the Model Y. Uh, I live I live in Los Angeles, which is the Tesla capital of the world. Right. <laughs> There's Teslas everywhere. Nobody yep. cares. I, I used to care. I wanted to have a different kind of car, right? I wanted I wanted right. to be special and different. Nobody cares anymore. It's like, no, I'm driving a Tesla, period. Well, that kind of Tesla per capita thing is not like that. In well, it's the it's the uh, the ASP though. Are you saying that you can take a Model Three and then just cut the price down to you know make a variant of Model Three that is Less thirty thousand dollars? No, I'm saying I'm yeah. saying I'm saying geographically, it isn't yeah. close to penetration because the kind of per capita that it, I see. that we have in Los Angeles, you don't have that kind of per capita use of a Model Y in Missouri or in and Iowa. And it will get there eventually. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. You know, you told me that this next moat is the most important moat and you've got 21 plus more. And I, I don't know how you're going to beat, well, again, I can <laughs> take so many that it's so high. Well, Elon, it's probably the top one. Speed of innovation to me was another one, but you're saying this next one is the most important? You got you to you got work to do to, to <laughs> tell me why, what's flexibility and how is it different from speed of innovation, right? What is this? Yeah. And again, I'm not sure that, and, and I think if you asked Elon, he wouldn't say, oh, we set out to build any of these moats. I think that they just happened because the, of, the, of the first principles thinking and the, and the quality thinking and the, the four, and the 3D and 4D chess. So flexibility to me means um, if I don't have enough uh, uh, semiconductors, I've got the uh -huh. software guys in the house that can build a different semiconductor in a week. And now I can use this semiconductor to do this, or I can bundle three to do that. I can do whatever I need. I, whatever I need to do, I have the flexibility mm -hmm. to do it because I'm not constrained by my suppliers. I'm not constrained by old thinking. I'm not constrained by the fact that if I change this part, it's going to change these 13 other parts. And now I'm going to have to get 13 suppliers to come alongside me to make changes. They don't have those constraints. So right from the, I guess you could start from, from battery chemistry. They can make batteries from, I can think of at least five different chemistries. Maybe it's more, but I think we can, I think we could come down with five different chemistries right now. And now we're talking about sulfur and, and, uh, and carbonite. So those are two more chemistries. And those are just the ones that I know, and I'm no scientist, okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, just the ones that I keep track of and hear about, I know there's a bunch more chemistries that are being worked on. So they have all these different chemistries. They're lining up the supply for all these different chemistries. So all of a sudden I can decide, oh, no, I'm not going to put 4680 batteries with this chemistry into my new semi-truck. I've got plenty of this other battery with a different chemistry and it'll work and it'll get me yeah. just as much. It'll give me 500 miles of range <laughs> and surprise the world that I came. I used a completely different chemistry and, and battery form than anybody thought I was going to use in the semi-truck. <clears throat> and yet I got 500 miles of range. That's flexibility. Nobody has that. Nobody, no company <laughs> that I've ever been associated with or followed has that. It's, it, and it goes right throughout the company. That if they run out of something, if they run out, like they use these uh, vegan seats, 
I'm 100% positive that it would be no big deal to change the, to leather if they had to, because guess right. what? The leather companies are crying right now for, for business because of vegan leather. So if you want yeah. cow hides, cow hides can be got. So you've got flexibility all throughout the car, all throughout yeah. the, okay, uh, China is currently having a, a tough time economically, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, so now they open Thailand. And Thailand says, mm -hmm. we'll take 4,000, you know, immediately, overnight, 4,000 orders. There's a lot, there's a lot more um, Southeast Asian countries around Thailand yeah. that are not open yet. Vietnam is open, Thailand's mm -hmm. open, but I don't, I don't think uh, Cambodia is open. I'm not, I don't think so. So you've got all these different companies that could, countries that could be opened up. Australia, they're begging, they're dying for cars in Australia. Well, China has a little slowdown. Guess what? There's 13, mm -hmm. I think it was 13 uh, ships on their way to yeah. Australia right now. Something like that, something, some crazy number. I might be wrong on that, but it's yeah. it's a crazy number. So all of a sudden, the Australians are getting their cars. Um, yeah. People forget that all of the cars that Tesla makes for Great Britain are made in Shanghai because they all the right wheel or right side drive. So, yeah. Before we move on to that new topic, but I, you convinced me, <laughs> by the way, that flexibility is probably the strongest moat. And the reason why, the way that you convinced me was that it's actually, in my mind, a culmination of all the other modes, is what you're saying, right? right? It's the fact that they're vertically integrated. It's the fact that they have so much cash. It's the fact that they have so much speed of innovation. They own the factories. They have, you know, they have Elon Musk. <laughs> and so all of that together allows them to be very flexible. And the way that that's shown itself was 2022. Yeah. So even though poor us, we saw the stock fall by 50, 60%. But if we just stop and step back a bit and take a look at the company in a year where there was a war, supply, supply chain issues, uh, chip, chip shortages, right? There, there was a COVID issue in Shanghai, economic collapse, everything like the inflation and all that. And yet they're, they're going to end the year at just under the 50% growth that they targeted at the beginning of the year. It's like if they can't. If they if they were able to do that and they were able to maneuver all of those things I just said, they were able right. to find a way to, through right. that versus other companies, they couldn't get past the chip shortage. Right. Uh, other companies said that they could not sell the cars because they were missing a part. And and Tesla also has those issues, but they were able to you know fend it off a little bit more. So I like the way you wrapped it up with flexibility. Um, and then, you know, we, there's so many other modes and I kind of skipped through a lot of them, but maybe that's why they need to buy the book. That's right. Um, <laughs> no, we can't, we can't push it too much, but <laughs> I, you were starting on the marketing levers. I do want to spend at least five minutes on this because sure. I think it's very critical. Um, tell me about marketing levers and what, what you were just getting there, right? Which is, you know, Tesla's had tremendous success, but they haven't even tapped all the other things that they could do if they wanted more success. Tell me, tell me what some of these are. Yeah, so I also think that Elon Musk is the most amazing marketer in history as well. Yeah. And that's basically what I am. I'm a salesman. I'm a marketer. Um, so typically, you hope that you'll have word of mouth. Yeah. But most companies don't have the benefit of word of mouth for years after the product comes out. But Elon's had word of mouth almost from day one because of his personality and the way that he is able to use events 
PR is the cheapest form of advertising that you can possibly get. Yeah. And he puts on events. He puts on stuff. He goes out and does something crazy. You know, shoot a, he was going to shoot a rocket to Mars and put a little plant up on mm-hmm. Mars. I mean, how, how is there a bigger PR story in history than that would have been if he'd done it? Right. So he knows how to use PR in order to get people to pay attention. And then you get people to start driving them and people drive them. They tell their neighbor. So he's, we call it WOM in the business, W-O-M, word of mouth. There's no better. There's no better marketing. Okay. Yeah. So what does that leave? It leaves, I list 12 different marketing me- methods that I would use. If I was, if he called me tomorrow and said, Randy, you're now yeah. the director of marketing for the company. I really need to pull all the levers as fast as I can. Well, I list the 12 yeah. that I would pull immediately. The first one I would pull is I'd have a Super Bowl ad this year. <laughs> Apple he doesn't need it. to. Apple all the uh, Super Bowl ads that did it, they all helped Tesla's <laughs> yeah. sales skyrocket. They helped Tesla's skyrocket, but Apple also used it perfectly. Yeah. I'm sure they would do it perfectly. And they, sure. but you basically have a world of people with FUD yeah. about app with about uh, Tesla yeah. that don't get the car. They don't know it's the safest. They don't know it's the quickest. They don't yeah. know. They don't know that it's actually cheaper, even if you pay yeah. twenty thousand dollars more for it because you save it in gas and repair. So there's a bunch of stuff you could do in a series of super oil ads. It would just be incredible. That would be, yeah. that would be one. And it would cost. But that by the way, is my wife's number one pet peeve is like, she's so upset and frustrated. Why does, why don't they advertise and talk about the safest car? Right. Why don't people know about that? Right. And the reason they don't, I think is because they don't need to, they already oversold. They, they, it's yeah. production is the issue, not the demand. Exactly. What you're saying is that, if there is an issue with demand or there's competition right. that comes, they have all these levers that can still do gotcha. that they haven't been using. Right. So yeah, so not a big P- deal. PR, you know, influencers are a big deal today, right? He's not using yeah. paid influencers. I mean, the yeah. list is is so long. The other one yeah. that I talk about, the first one I would pull, actually wouldn't even be the Super Bowl. The first one I would pull, I would hire a fleet management, a fleet sales team. The fleet sales that he's getting are just because people know that it's a good car and they call him. You know, okay, we want to buy some. Oh, well, go ahead, go go on the app and buy the cars then. <laughs> you mean like selling it to Hertz or something like that and yeah, others? Not Hertz. I mean, every government, every police department, yeah. every local, regional, uh, every car, every big uh, uh, yeah. corporation has yeah. fleets. The, the number of fleets that are out there, it's the fleet cars, huge business. And yeah. every car company has a fleet management division with highly yeah. paid salespeople that are out there pushing their cars. It'd be a very inexpensive thing for him to do. Right. That's listen, I've been doing that. <laughs> and there's more. <laughs> there's more. There's more. Okay. So thank you for this. I mean, we went through a lot of the key top um, moats. I think we've we can argue and debate which one is the bigger one, but they're so good. They're all very, very big. And there's even more. And then to tease it, you actually have three more. You said that you discovered um, that we haven't even in the book. Yeah, but, we're, talking, um, we're talking about having over-the-air updates on the book. <laughs> no, because that's right. Because Kindle, that's right. Kindle allows Kindle lets you do that. You can do an over-the-air update, and it will actually <laughs> notify the Kindle owners that already have people that already have their Kindle, and it will change their book. <laughs> Jeez, isn't that brilliant? That alone will make me decide to buy the Kindle version. That's brilliant. Okay, um, wonderful. So then, so you, I remember you told me that there's a, this is a, you've written two books of a trilogy. So there's yes. a third book coming out, and you told me that it's the Elon Musk magic, the age of abundance. When is this coming out? And tell me more about that. 
So the, the, the idea was Brian Wang's and, and Brian wants it to come out in the end of April. And I'm telling him he's nuts. <laughs> you don't have speed of innovation. You don't have flexibility. Well, you know, so uh, I told him the end of, uh, end of summer would, would work really good. So we'll see where we end up in terms of when we actually produce it. But uh, yeah, what we want to do is I'm a massive, if I'm a fan of Elon Musk, I'm also a fan of Kathy Wood and of uh, Tony Siba. And those three together are kind of <laughs> laying out, you know, the future for us in terms of yeah, yeah. Uh, Tony Siba, his new series. If people haven't seen it, I'd, I'd rather you go watch the five part series that Tony Siba just did than buy my mm. book. Okay? Yeah. I want you to do both. But the, the five part series that Tony Siba just did is is phenomenal. Uh, and he talks about an age, 2035 is his goal now, where the combined total of your food, transportation, uh, uh, what do you call it, your home, your, your exp home expense, your, your, uh, uh, your information, meaning all of your ho home entertainment, whatnot. And there was a fifth thing, I forget what it is, but the kind of the five energy, energy. So the yeah, these five major things that you spend money on will cost the average human $250 a month. Okay. Now, people look at me, they look at Tony and they go, what are you talking about? How is it possible? Mm -hmm. What that's costing me now is going to cost me $250 a month. Now, that's per person. So if you have a household yeah. of four, it'll be 1000 But I can tell you that my, my, my mortgage is... Just, just your car alone. <laughs> yeah, just the car. Yeah. My car is... Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I, always, I always like to talk about this friend of mine that came to me about 25 years ago, a brilliant guy, futurist. He says, Randy... He says, in about 10 years, your phone will be free. Mm. Your phone calls will be free. Yep. And I had just uh, gotten married. And I, mm -hmm. had, in the dating period before that, I had been over in Germany. And I had called my fiance. And I'd spend $1,000 on a phone call. That's right. It's happened to me. <laughs> okay. All right. Not yep. today. I could Not be today. in Germany. She could be in California. And it's free. So yeah. he called it that the telephone call would be free. What he didn't know was that the telephone would be attached to all the information in the world um, and would also act as a flashlight. So, yeah. so the future is crazy funny, uh, uh, but, but I think that Kathy, as good as she is, and I think Tony, as good as, she, as he is, they're not great communicators. And I want to communicate this vision differently than they're communicating it. Um, and so that's the, the nature of this book uh, is going to be, that's cool. where is this abundance coming from? But we're yeah. going to only be looking at through the viewpoint of Elon Musk's companies. We, we might do a chapter on meat, but most of it is going to be about Elon Musk companies. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, people are starting to refer to the Muskonomy. Yes. And the variety of industries that he's going to do yes. and Tesla because of the speed of innovation, flexibility and vertical integration, they're going to be going into more industries. And, yeah, um, yeah most, most people have no idea. He just he just tweeted about it again today. I saw it. Uh, how big this T-Mobile thing is with SpaceX. Yeah. But it's in our yeah. book. You didn't have Satellite. to wait today. You can look in the book yeah. and it tells you in great detail how yeah. valuable this T-Mobile deal is and how yeah. it might be the largest company of Elon Musk's companies. We'll, all, well it's a oh. big debate, right? Which one? 
<laughs> it's Neuralink. No, it's, it's the SpaceX. <laughs> now, those are like nothing compared to satellites. <laughs> having, I don't know. Having the ability to use your phone anywhere on the planet. Um, right. uh, I mean, he could take over the the competitors, the OEMs, let's call them that. (laughs) Anyways. Okay. Thank you very much, Randy. Really appreciate this. It was uh, very good, full of information, exciting and fun. You're awesome. Um, You know, you can follow Randy on his website at elonmusk-networth.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Randy W-K-I-R-K, Randy W-Kirk1, the number one. Wonderful. Thank you. Hopefully you felt you got a little bit brighter today. Tell me which moat do you think was the most important one? Can you think of any moat that you haven't talked about that is important? Put that in the comments. Thanks, everybody. Thank you again, Randy. Thank you. Appreciate it.